Welcome to the Ridge University Podcast, a place to listen, learn, and discover tools for living. Now here's your host, Ridge Director of Discipleship, Will Heron. Welcome, everyone. My name is Seth Sparks, and I'm your host for this Ridge University podcast series, The Story Behind the Story. I'm also joined by Ridge Director of Discipleship, Will Heron. Will, welcome back. Thanks, Seth. Good to be here. Okay, we're two episodes in. So far, we've explored why we're drawn again and again to similar plot lines in our stories. We've looked at good versus evil in our last episode. Where are we heading in this episode? Well, I'd like for us to look at a couple of other popular plot lines and and seek to discover why they prove to be uh, so attractive and meaningful to us. The first of those is romance. So, Seth, this is a genre you have any experience in? Any rom-coms you'll fess up to having enjoyed? You know, I, I can admit to having a few in my favorite movie list. Um, Princess Bride, Serendipity, mm. Shakespeare in Love. Um, there are more, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm no stranger to the genre. Okay. Again, each of those movies kind of follow a, a similar story arc of two people meeting, sometimes initially experiencing minor conflict, falling in love, facing obstacles to be together, and yet finally being together in the end. Uh, but I acknowledge that not all romance stories follow that format, but most don't vary from it too much. What is it about these stories that keep us coming back? I mean, why are we moved so emotionally in movies when the romances don't work out? Like Titanic, there's not room for Jack on the chunk of wood. La La Land, they go their own separate way. (laughs) Could he have fit on the, I mean, that's the age old question, isn't it? I think there was room. I don't know. I'm I'm just, (laughs) just saying Uh, Romeo and Juliet is another, they don't end up together. I mean, that's the, the the most, uh, often given examples. So why, why are we moved? Well, first of all, I think these stories have a familiar premise. Uh, it's maybe not obvious at first, but the narrative arc of romances often carry a striking similarity, I guess, to that of the, the broad story of the Bible. So let's think about it for a second. Romance stories, they normally begin with some kind of spark. There's a beginning of a relationship and it develops into an almost Eden-like existence, right? But before long, something happens, something gets in the way, and there's separation. There's a, a tension that exists and the relationship seems to kind of hang in the balance before something else happens and, and reconciliation occurs and the two come together and they live happily ever after. And Seth, as we look to the broad story of the Bible, we begin with Eden, where God and man are in relationship with one another. Then comes the fall, the driving apart. Then comes God's intervention, sacrifice as a means of reconciliation. And then finally, a happily ever after. Now, I, I'm not saying that all these romance writers have you know, gone to the Bible and simply copied and pasted this plot line. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, similar to the good versus evil narrative, these stories communicate something of the true reality of the world. The traditional romance storyline is in many ways the main storyline of our existence. It's the story of God and humankind. And... I think when we see it depicted, it strikes us as as deeply moving and and meaningful. It's it's something that we aspire to and hope for. So it's not all that dissimilar to the good versus evil plotline. These stories resonate in part because they convey something of a truth about our lived experience. Yes. Yeah. But I I also think there's another reason for our deep affinity with romance. These stories convey familiar needs. And and what I mean by that is 
we all desire to to know and be known deeply, uh, to be loved perfectly, to experience a companionship that will never end. And we often get to experience all these things vicariously through the experience of fictional characters. But deep down, there's a hope that we might experience them in, in reality. In essence, it provides us a glimpse of a relationship that dreams are made of, right? You know, where there's mutual love, deep knowing, and a, a forever kind of future ahead. But Seth, I think the question is, is that kind of relationship even possible between two imperfect human beings? Or are we actually aspiring to a greater or perhaps you could say divine relationship? Uh, it actually makes me think of author Ernest Becker, who once commented, he said, how can a human being be a God like everything to another? No human relationship can bear the burden of Godhood and the attempt has to take its toll in some way on both parties. If your partner is your all, then any shortcoming in him or her becomes a major threat to you. Ah, that that's so good. Everyone, like, hit rewind your ten second go back button and <laughs> yes. then listen to that a couple more times. Well, that's the nice thing, isn't it, about the podcast? You yeah. can just you go back. But you see, when God is largely pushed out of the picture, the romantic relationship becomes the most intimate and ultimate of all relationships. And that, in some ways, is the danger of romantic stories as depicted over history. We begin to look to our partner to provide the kind of things that only God can bring in a relationship here. And But here, Seth, I want to say this. I'm, I'm not saying that romantic relationships or even non-romantic friendships are not possible or, or mutually edifying. Of course, they can be. God made man and, and woman, crafted the desires that draw them together in deep romance and commitment to one another. But he also crafted love and friendship, where we, we can experience a level of relationship that, while not romantic in nature, is, is deep nonetheless. But this is what I do want to say. When we see the kind of relationship depicted where... It's, you know, seemingly perfect mutual love, that deep knowing and a forever kind of future. I actually think it depicts more of a relationship with God than a relationship with another imperfect human being. We aspire to that perfect relationship because we were primarily made for that kind of relationship, but not with another human being, with God himself. Sure. I, I have this annoying trait of like taking love songs and spinning them to be like God singing to us or us singing to God, like nothing right. gospel, nothing worship, other songs. And uh, it's it's annoying to <laughs> others around me. But um, anyway. It's amazing how, yeah, how often you can do that. But. <laughs> so let's look at another popular plot line together. Sure. Well, as a way to lead into this one, let me ask you this. Have you ever been into uh, like talent reality TV shows? You ever got into those? Uh, America's Got Talent and that kind of thing? There there are some concepts that sometimes interest me. I'll watch it if it's on or my family's watching something. But um, having studied media and kind of seen how the sausage is made to some extent, um, I don't ever really watch it um, Right, <laughs> right. I have to say I've never been a huge fan of talent reality TV shows. But there's one story that always st stands out to me when I think of those kind of shows. I don't know if you remember, there was a lady called Susan Boyle. Mm -hmm. She was a contestant on Britain's Got Talent. Oh, yeah. Now, um, Susan, she ex had experienced learning difficulties growing up, um, was bullied as a child. And actually, at the time of her audition, she was living with her cat Pebbles. And having looked after her mother, who had just recently passed away as well, 
So anyway, she comes on and she sings and stuns everybody. I mean, she has this unbelievable voice. Long story short, she's since sold like 25 million albums over the last number of years. She's only one of three acts to ever top the UK and the US charts twice in the same year. So why do I share that story? To prove the point that we love a good rags to riches story. I mean, even in nonfiction, I, I think of people like LeBron James, J.K. Rowling, um, you know, author of Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. Both had difficult beginnings, have since become like superstars. Yeah. Yeah. And and we love them until they get so rich that we begin to hate them. Right. Is, is that a plot line we're going to cover? Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kidding. Maybe another episode. <laughs> okay. Um, but turning away from reality and over to fiction, what are some rags to riches stories that come to your mind? Just to name a few, I mean, think of Clark Kent, you know, an orphan alien boy, becomes the savior of Metropolis, Aladdin, orphan teen living on the streets, ends up marrying a princess, uh, Eliza Doolittle, you know, young flower seller with a strong Cockney accent, becomes like this eloquent lady rubbing shoulders with the highest in society. King Arthur, bullied orphan, he would become the king of England. Uh, Forrest Gump, you know, a young boy yeah. with disabilities becomes a millionaire with, with a heart of gold. Yeah. So what's cool is this storyline is actually very much present in the Bible, too. I mean, think of Joseph, the abandoned brother who became a powerful ruler in Egypt. Think of Esther, uh, an orphan who became a queen. Gideon, the least in his family from the weakest tribe, he become a mighty warrior. Uh, think of King David, runt of a brother who would become Israel's most famous king. Yeah. But then, Seth, also think of Jesus, born in a stable, you know, from Nazareth, uh, born to a couple of modest means, murdered but exalted up to the highest place. And uh, I mentioned this guy, I think in our first episode, Christopher Booker, mm-hmm. uh, an English author. He mentioned that again and again in the storytelling world, we come across a certain image which seems to hold a particular fascination for us. We see an ordinary insignificant person dismissed by everyone as of little account who suddenly steps to center stage revealed to be something someone quite exceptional seems like we we enjoy coming back to that kind of storyline again and again yeah yeah that's great so i'll i'll ask this same question i've been asking now for three episodes Uh, we we love that but why are we so drawn to it okay well let's Maybe turn our attention to the Bible for a moment and, and see what we can learn there. I'm going to read from Luke 4 for a moment. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he, Jesus, rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I mean, what a moment, right? So, Seth, Jesus here, he's summarizing his ministry. And and so what do we learn? Well, basically we learn it's a rags to riches kind of ministry. You know, broken bodies, hearts, minds, experience Jesus and enter into the riches of the kingdom life. You know, forgiven and, and healed, adopted as sons and daughters. 
And when we experience these rags to riches stories, people moving from brokenness to healing, from isolation to family, from hopelessness to stability, we're experiencing the ministry of Jesus, the heart of God for each person. And I think another reason that these stories resonate is that they mirror the salvation story, actually. Mm -hmm. When we hear the gospel and we come to Jesus, we recognize, as the prophet Isaiah put it, all of us have become like the one who is unclean and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. You know, we're, we're orphans without a home. We're alienated from God. We're broken. We're spiritually poor. We're in need of rescue. And we are then welcomed in by God's grace into God's family. We're forgiven, freed from the slavery of sin and invited into what the Apostle Paul calls the boundless riches of Christ. Yeah. So, Seth, you can see how in many ways the salvation narrative echoes that of the rags to riches plotline. You know, whether someone has experienced the salvation in reality or not, the elements here of being found and rescued, of finding a home and finding freedom, we all long for those things and we can find them ultimately in God himself uh, through Jesus' sacrifice for us. Just one last thing here as well. We talked about this in, in our last episode, but these stories in some way deliver the, the happily ever after resolution we so desperately desire. You know, whether in fiction or real life, we don't desire to see the orphan to remain an orphan. You know, we don't desire to see those caught in the throes of poverty remain there. We don't desire to, to witness an individual weighed down in pain or hopelessness to continue I don't know, a, a kind of downward spiral into further turmoil, Turmoil, you know? No, we, we desire resolution to discordant life, to see people move from rags to, to riches. And it's there, I think, we're actually aspiring to God's desire for our lives and the lives of others, to see people experience the kind of fullness of life that, that Jesus talked about. Yeah, that's, that is so good. Well... I think that's going to close us for this episode. Thank you again, Will. Um, yeah, next sure. week, we're going to close out this entire series with episode four as we continue our journey into discovering the biblical roots of our fascination with fiction. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us there. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you are interested in finding ways to live out your faith, why not head to our church website, ridgelife.org. There, you'll find opportunities to serve in the church and in our local community. You'll also discover ways to get involved in community groups. One of the best ways to find support and encouragement as you seek to live out what you're learning from the Bible. Head to ridgelife.org for more details.